When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Proportional is the nothing personal word of the day. It is Monday, December 19th, 2022. I'm tired. That was a weekend of sports, a weekend of Hanukkah, a weekend of schlepping, still recovering from sports, delivering some of the great moments of the year all on one weekend. But I'm starting with proportional because I I gave my time to the World Cup. I don't regret it. I fell in love with football this year. You know, I talked about it with Coca quite a bit. I've got other friends who are into the EPL. I've been to an EPL game. I've heard of some of the players. I've done the game where you see how many followers does that player have versus the greatest follower in basketball, LeBron James. Oh my God, Ronaldo has that many? Right, I've done that. But the World Cup became different. Maybe it started because of Qatar and because of the migrant workers dying, or maybe it started because of the sports washing. Maybe it started because of nothing personal and the the fact that we had a show, so I had a different size platform to discuss, but I paid great attention. Watched games during the group stage, watched them all. The only games I missed the entire World Cup were when they played side-by-side group three game three of the group stage. That's it. Every other game. I'm watching the final last night, yesterday, and I'm cheering for France for no reason other than I chose France before the World Cup started. Why wouldn't I want to see myself? Just ego, right? Hey, you picked it from the beginning and you're on record that you did it. Better story is Messi finishing his career with winning the World Cup. The final, final making him the greatest of all time. And I had been to Barcelona, took pictures at, with Messi. It was a cutout of Messi, but it was still Messi. The guy's my size, by the way. So I 
had gotten messy stuff for my kids or whatever, but I just didn't appreciate messy Argentina. I didn't appreciate what was going on in Buenos Aires when they cut to that, what it means to people, the tears. And I've watched a lot of sports, a lot of American sports, seen a lot of people cry, made a lot of people cry, but this just felt a little different. So I'm watching the game and all I'm thinking is what a disaster. It's not even a good game. Messi scores on a PK, scores again. It's two nothing Argentina. France can't even command the ball. Their first touch is terrible. I look at the stats of who's possessing the ball for how long. And I assume that it's not right because it seems as though Argentina's possessing the ball 80% of the time. I still haven't figured out one World Cup in what the other percentage is, like when they're fighting for the ball, when they're all heading it and they don't know who has it. Maybe that's the percentage. But it just looked like a blowout. And when you watch enough sports, you can see when a team is just better than another team. So halftime, 2-0 Argentina. And someone says to me, you know, 2-0, that's a great halftime score if you're losing because there's a little edge gone from the team that's up 2-0. You come out for the second 45 and you have a little spark in your step. If you get that first goal, you might as well have gotten the equalizer. It's really good to be down 2-0. I said, "In, in what world is that good? No, no, in this world, I was told. Watching the second half, watching the coronation of Messi take place, which was happening up to the 80th minute, basically. Everyone was just starting to get their words ready, all the announcers, you could tell. They were beginning to think about what phrases they were going to say. Is it too much to call him the greatest of all time? Is it too much if we cry? Are we gonna see him cry? What information do we wanna get out to people? These are things broadcasters do when they know there's going to be a moment and they don't wanna depend on how they view themselves at that moment or what they say at that moment. Instead, they prepare. Now for me, if you talk to a broadcaster, and I've done this many, many times as big things were happening in games I was involved in, and the best Hall of Fame broadcasters say, I've thought about it, but I'm just not exactly sure what I'm gonna say and I won't be able to know until that moment. Other broadcasters say, listen, when that goal is scored or when that final out is made, I am gonna say the following thing. It'll sound natural, but that's what I'm gonna say. So we're getting to the 80th minute, everyone's getting ready. They've got champagne on ice for Argentina and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's a goal scored by France by Mbappe, it makes it 2-1. And then it changes everything. The momentum changed in a way that can't really happen in other sports. You see 20 to nothing runs in the NBA. You see hit after hit in Major League Baseball. They score eight runs in an inning. Wow, that changed the momentum. Or they're down 5-2, they score two to make it a one-run game and you feel it slipping away. I've watched thousands of games and I feel that when momentum is slipping. In soccer, when a goal is scored, you're like, all right, let's see what the next touch is. Let's see what the next run is. And then all of a sudden, it's 2-2. 
and out of nowhere, the game is going to extra time. The way it works in the World Cup in football is if it's tied after regulation, which is a draw, you play 30 minutes. It's not golden goal. It's not the next goal wins. It's 30 minutes no matter what. So Argentina could win 7-2 or lose 7-2, but you got 30 minutes to do it. And if after 30 minutes you're still tied, they stop playing and they go to this ridiculous way to decide a match called penalty kicks. It's been going on for longer than I've been a fan, but explain to me how that makes sense. That you go through not just 90 plus extra time in the first and second half, but then an extra 30 plus some extra time for those 15 minute halves. And you say, all right, we're done. Not because the NFL has games on Fox, not because everyone's exhausted, which they are, because this is a way to guarantee that the match will end in a certain period of time and we will declare a winner on PKs. It'll be very dramatic. Everyone will be excited. No, it's not. When you have the stakes that are so high that they don't match the way in which something is decided, the the best example I can give you, would you flip a coin for your house? That may sound harsh to you, but here's the upside. If you flip a coin and you get it, your mortgage gets paid for you. If you flip a coin and you don't guess right, your house gets taken away from you and you lose the equity you've built up. It's gambling, right? Some people who are risk averse would say no. Some people who love taking risk would say, wait a minute, you could have my mortgage paid? Flip that coin, I'm in. The stakes are too high. Lower the stakes. Who's going to kick off first? Nah, let's flip a coin. Perfect. That is a proportional thing. Ah, we're not going to flip a coin. We're going to do a jump ball in basketball. We'll do a face-off in hockey. It seems very proportional. But then you get to penalties. And then you start thinking about what the object is of penalties in a sport. And the object is to let a play happen that would have happened but for the action of a defensive player. Hockey man is on a breakout, one on none. Guy comes from behind and slashes him with a clear path to the goal. We're giving you a penalty shot. Penalty shot in hockey is when you get the ball on the blue line, I think, and you go in and there's a pretty damn good chance you're going to score. Not a guarantee, though, but a damn good chance. In basketball, a clear path foul, you have to shoot free throws, but you also get the ball. That seems proportional. He was going in for a dunk. He's not going to get it. We'll give him free throws, but if he sucks at free throws, we're going to give him the ball and give him a chance to score again. If he's good at free throws, he could get even a five-point play based on that. Pretty good. All right. Nothing in baseball. You don't get extra outs. You make errors. You give extra outs to the team. You hit someone. That person takes a base. Maybe the pitcher gets ejected. Baseball decided, let's put a ghost runner on second base in the extra innings. That'll be like our PKs or like our shootouts in hockey, which don't happen during the playoffs, which don't happen during the playoffs. In hockey, they play till someone scores. The next person to score in hockey in overtime wins. If it takes seven overtime periods, 10 or one minute, the next goal scores. Baseball, everyone gets a chance to hit. It could only take one inning. It could take 30 innings. In football, 
during the regular season. They figured out, let's do a 10-minute overtime, and let's say that if the first team scores a touchdown, they win. If they don't score a touchdown, then the other team has a chance to score a touchdown, and if the other team scores a touchdown, they win. But if both teams score field goals, then you keep going. And then the next team to score wins. That's why we're seeing all these ties. But in the playoffs, it doesn't work that way. In football, you're going to keep playing until someone scores. No matter what. No matter how long it takes. So then we're watching soccer. People complain like I did. God, there's no action. The score, the final score was nil-nil. This game stinks until I learned about it and understood the beauty of the runs, the beauty of the ways the plays would develop. Ah, he just missed the strike. Oh, that wasn't a perfect touch. There's things going on all the time. Why can't they just play until someone scores? The problem with PKs is the advantage goes so heavily to the offensive team. It is so hard to stop a PK. Now you're going to tell me, but David, Argentina, the goalie stopped two of them. It was amazing. It's a miracle. That's true. That's why Argentina won the game. But wouldn't it have been better to be decided on the field with Mbappe and Messi going against each other the way they were all night, figuring out who's got the best touches, who's going to get the best play, because these goals don't get let in by accident. They get let in when they're good plays. A little hand job right here, making yourself bigger, and all of a sudden it's a PK and it's an equalizer. You teach your soccer players, keep your hands by your side. Don't make yourself bigger. The ramifications are going to be serious. And boy, are they ever. So it got me thinking, that is not a proportional response. To give someone a penalty kick for a handball. To give someone a penalty kick for a foul in the box. It is way, way too punitive. I think instead, give them a power play. Give them three set pieces each time closer. Three free kicks. Something other than a penalty kick where a penalty kick is way too likely to change the game in a way that in other sports it wouldn't work that way. And then in the World Cup, to finish a game based on penalty kicks, it was like a letdown for me. The other thing that was a letdown at the end of the World Cup was thinking about we're all leaving, everyone's leaving Qatar talk about proportional they're 300 billion dollars spent everyone's going to leave Qatar they're going to be left there with eight stadiums they're going to be left there looking at themselves saying did it work is it possible that it worked they go out and do the medals and I turn to FS1 because Fox had to go to the NFL so I'm going to FS1 looking and there's the head Qatari sheik the number one sports washer the person in charge who aware of every decision made, aware when migrant workers had their passports taken away and were living in squalor and couldn't leave until they either died or the stadiums were finished and then they still couldn't leave. People are going up on stage, getting medals. You have the head of FIFA, Infantino, crook. You've got the head sheik in Qatar standing there, smiling, crook. Yeah, the president of France. Players are going back and forth getting their medals. They're forced to shake the hand of the sheik. Some players awkwardly gave a hug. Some players gave an awkward handshake. Some players didn't realize who it was. Some did. 
horrible to create that photo opportunity. I wouldn't have allowed it for my players. Would not have allowed that photo opportunity. The photos can be taken out of context. They get their medals, and then they're taking a team photo, and Messi is wearing, what's it called, Coca? He's wearing a the outfit given to him by the head chic. And Messi doesn't stand for that. He wasn't making a political statement. It was called a bisht. I'd never heard that word before. So all these pictures he's going to have for the rest of the life. Hey, Daddy, what's that? Hey, Grandpa, what were you wearing? Is that a, a, clo- a cloak? Is that a smock? Oh, that's something from that murderous, ravaging piece of crap. Oh, that's weird, Dad. Why'd you do that? Hey, I was there. What else was I going to do? Was that not a good opportunity for all the different clubs who talked about all the things they wanted to do to talk about LGBTQ rights, talk about all the things where FIFA could punish them and tell them not to do it? You go up on stage, what are you doing? If Michael Jordan can cover the damn Reebok sign with a flag, my guess is that you can put on a rainbow. Honor Grant. Something. Except letting us all believe that, hey, it's all good. I won my World Cup. I'm going to kiss it and smile. That was your moment. I get what Fox was doing this entire time. People were critical of Fox's coverage of the World Cup. What a tough position they were in. How much time do you spend on these topics where so many people would rather just talk about sports? They don't want to talk about death. They don't want to talk about despair, racism, misogyny, murder. They don't want to talk about that. I'm having a beer and a donut, maybe a schmear. I don't want to hear negativity. Don't bring that in my house. (laughs) I'm watching the PKs. Coca and I were talking about the show, and Coca was like, hey, David, what happened to Fox? Why weren't we looking at Messi the whole time? Like, where was Messi? It's true. Shouldn't there have been a, a camera always on Mbappe and Messi when the other people were shooting? We saw a replay of Messi going, oh, crap, when one of his teammates didn't score. But I wanted to see Messi like the minute they won the World Cup, like the anticipation. I was more interested in that, maybe a split screen. That was the bigger story. So I don't find PKs to be proportional. I'd like there to be the ability to play on. Just keep playing. They're tired, they're tired. That means someone will score. But ending it on PKs, it's, it's, it felt like it didn't do justice to the game. Football, and then I went right into the NFL, and I'm recovering from these this weekend's games because one thing that I always tried to do was to plan for everything. You're always planning. You're game planning. You're planning behind the scenes, off the field, on the field. You are trying to solve for any possible issue that could happen. You're, that's what you do. That's your training as a lawyer. That's your training as an executive to think of everything. And we talk to our manager and, and coaches, coaching staff and GM and say, all right, here's 20 things that we think could happen. Are we missing any? Are there scenarios that we're not gaming right now? So two games happened of note this weekend, at least two. One of them was happening Saturday. I love Saturday NFL. And that means the reason, just a little, a little truth here. The reason I love Saturday NFL is that that means it's getting close to the end of the season. Keep in mind when you run an MLB team and you have an MLB, an NFL team in your city, you hate the NFL because they take away attention from your fans 
They take away attention from your sponsors. They take away column inches in your paper on your local news. You just want the NFL season to end because that means spring training is coming and you can, again, take the column inches. So that's why I like Saturday football. Now that I'm not running a team, I like Saturday football, not because it means the season's coming to an end, but because it means there's more games to watch. So I've totally gone to the other side. So I'm watching the game and I'm looking at Jeff Saturday, the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And I'm thinking about the craziness of us hiring Dan Jennings, our GM, to be our manager. I'm thinking about what Jim Ursay is going through, having to defend, bringing an analyst out of the booth at ESPN, a good friend, former player, into the coach coaching room. How strange it was, sort of the hell he caught with people from Bill Cower to Tony Dungy to every columnist in town saying this is an affront. You have offended all assistant coaches. And I just thought to myself, Jim Mercer doesn't care. Owners don't care. They're going to do what they want. They, they literally, I'm so sorry, folks. They don't care what anybody says about the decisions they make because they think they're right. So the Colts are beating the Vikings 33-0. And I was thinking that the Vikings are like a fraud. They're a three-loss fraudulent team. How do you get that? You can't have that in baseball ever. Is there, there's, If you win 90 games, you're good. Like you can't, you can be a fraudulent 70-win team. But a 90-win team? No, it doesn't happen. Like a 10-win football team to me, how can that be fraudulent? But I'm watching the Vikings. There's just something wrong. And I know the Wilf brothers, and that's not a humble brag flex. I've just had the opportunity to be in their circles uh, around Yeshiva University and some of the charity they do and sports, etc. And I'm just inside their head thinking, God, I know exactly what they want to do right now. They want to fire someone. They want to leave. They want to not watch. Because going into a game against the Colts and Jim Mersey and Saturday, you are saying to yourself, we're winning this game. And if we can't get up for this game and crush this team, we've got a problem in leadership. So the game is 33 to nothing. And then all of a sudden, the Vikings score, then they score, then they score, then they score, and then they score, and then they score. And all of a sudden, they tie the game on a touchdown and two-point conversion, and the game goes to overtime. And at that point, I was thinking, oh my God, if the Colts lose, that means that the quarterback of the Colts, Matt Ryan, is gonna live the rest of his life being the quarterback of a team that built huge leads in the Super Bowl and in the regular season and lost them both. Yes, Matt Ryan was the coach, was the QB of the Falcons when Tom Brady came back from a 28 to three deficit. Matt Ryan was the quarterback of the Colts on Saturday when the Vikings came back to beat them 39 to 36 after being down 33 to zero. There's never been a comeback like that in the history of football ever, regular season, postseason Super Bowl. You saw that Saturday. What do you do? What's the proportional response to that? Do all of a sudden, the way the Vikings played in the second half, you say, hey, Kirk, I'm giving you an extension. You're that good. Or do you say, Kirk, the way you played in the first half was just so bad. Is this who you are? Or do you just stay quiet and move on to the next week? 
If you're Jim Irsay, do you say, man, everybody was right? This was just terribly coached. Several examples. Or do you double down and say, we did it exactly the way we should have done it? Those are the breaks. In sports, we rationalize results according to decisions we already have made. We are the king and queen of confirmation bias. We will not watch a game like that and make any other decision about our coach or GM or a player than wasn't made before the game even started. It is the most irrational way to run a team because when you use confirmation bias, it's irrational to do anything in your life with confirmation bias because it means you're not making a clear evaluation of what's in front of you. You are purposely looking at what's in front of you as proof of what's behind you is what you thought it was. And the whole purpose of looking at something in front of you is to test your hypothesis, is to see whether or not what you saw behind you is actually what you saw. It's so strange because our view is that we were right then. There's no way that we weren't. That's, that's how idiots talk. The best way to do it is to say, we were right then given what we knew. Now we know something else. Does that change the equation of our process that led to a result that led to us knowing what we thought we knew then? But we've got to take what's new into account, don't we? But the only thing we're going to take that's new into account is something that proves our previous hypothesis. It's absurdity. Do me a favor when you're listening to this show and we'll be done, let's say in that 20 minutes or whenever we're done. How about today, just once, try to have the self-awareness to see when you're using confirmation bias. And I guarantee you one thing, every single one of you, and I appreciate every single one of you who listens to this show, every one of you does it every day. And there are no exceptions. It's the human condition. And those of you who can fight it the best are gonna be the most successful. So Saturday's game was weird, historic. Sunday's World Cup blew my mind. Nothing crazier could happen in the NFL until I'm walking back from a Hanukkah party and then boom, I get an alert. When I get alerts during the course of a day or when Coca sends something to me, it means something is SW, show worthy. Sometimes Coco will send something to me and say, NSW, not show worthy, but I wanted you to see it. He sent me what happened with the Patriots and the Raiders. And he didn't have to say SW or NSW because some things are just too obvious. If you didn't watch the Patriots and Raiders, let me just in 10 seconds sum it up. In a tie game, when you have the ball and you have no chance to score, no chance to kick a field goal, no chance to stop the clock. You basically take a knee and go to overtime. Hopefully win the flip and then score a touchdown. Or if your defense has to play well and stop a touchdown, put your defense on the field. When regulation is ending and you're losing and you've got a score, you don't take a knee. You go for a Hail Mary. If you can't throw the ball that far, you may go for a run and then laterals, the crazy lateral play where you're running and then you're about to get tackled and it's like kill the carrier and recess when you're in sixth grade and you just keep throwing the ball, but then you end up going backwards instead of forwards and then you try to go around the other way. You're hoping for a miracle. 
And that's what it would take. But when you're losing the game, a miracle, no matter the likelihood, is the definite path that you need to go down. Not even a question. If you're winning a game in football at the end of the game, do you know what they do? They do the kneel formation where they all crowd around the quarterback, no matter where you're on the field. You do the counting of whether or not the clock can be stopped by the opponent. You take a knee, done, win the game, throw the ball to the referee, go to the middle of the field, shake the hand of your counterpart, get into the clubhouse, take off your shoulder pads and take a nice bath. Great. Turns out that the Patriots were not losing the game that they were doing this lateral play in. The game was tied. I was got the alert and looked on my phone, and I thought that the Raiders were winning, causing the Patriots to do this. But the game was tied. The Patriots are doing these crazy laterals, and one lateral gets thrown into the hands of a Raider defender, and the Raider, the ball is live. The guy gets the ball and runs toward the end zone, his end zone. Well, it's the Patriots' end zone, but the end zone where the Raiders score. And the Raiders score, and they walk off the Patriots 30-24. to It can't be. I watched it again thinking that I was watching something wrong, right? Like, it is almost impossible. If I'm the coach of the Patriots and that happens, after the game, I'm going to not meet the media. I'm going to pay the fine. And I'm going to tell my coach after the game, when that game ends, I'm going to walk in the clubhouse, I'm going to say, we are going to pay the fine today, here's why. Because if you meet the media, you're going to say something you regret. Our players are going to regret. I do not want us talking right now. It is way too emotional. The Patriots needed that game. And a Bill Belichick coach team does not lose that way. Something went wrong. Would have had the PR people go to the player and alert the player who was involved. Say, listen. There is no way out. You are going to have to say something. Here's what I want you to say. It's my responsibility. Try to do too much. This team will rebound. We will make it through. End it. I want that coming from the player, not Belichick. Because what I want from Bill Belichick is I want the players, not the media. I don't really care about them. I want the players to understand that Bill Belichick is not going to do the ordinary post-game course of action. I need the players to understand that what just happened is something that is such an anomaly that it will never happen again. And that we are not going to practice laterals now. We're not gonna scold the team, go to the video room. When something like that happens, every player knows that it was an absolute disaster and they know why and they're never going to do it again. So that happened. There's another thing that happened in football. We're going to go to a break, but when we come back, I want to talk about what happened with the commanders, and we're still going to talk about proportional, which is a theme throughout this show. Hang in there. Just a few minutes. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? 
What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you. We're on YouTube, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Hit the subscribe button, please. You know where to find us. Coca has us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter for now at David P. Sampson. I don't know why I said for now. Musk did that poll. I don't know if he's selling or if he's going to tire a new CEO. I would not want that job. I wonder whether Jared Kushner is going to buy Twitter. Maybe Donald Trump will buy Twitter. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? If Trump had, well, he doesn't have the money, but if he did, he could pay like $10 billion to Musk and buy Twitter. Maybe the Kushner family will. Instead of buying the big building on Fifth Avenue, they'll try to get out of that and make some peace in the Middle East and buy Twitter. Watching them all at the game in Qatar last night made me laugh. Trump wasn't there, but Kushner and Musk were. With the Sheik, maybe they were financing and refinancing. Or maybe there was peace. Maybe Jared was there to make peace. So thank you for rating, reviewing, for being with us. It is Monday. The word of the day was proportional. I'm watching the night game because I'm a Giants fan. I'm watching the Commanders because I'm not a Commanders fan. And they just happen to be playing each other. 20 to 12 at the end of the game. The Commanders are trying to tie it up. They do tie it up. They're down 20 to 18. Penalty. Illegal formation. They have enough people on the line of scrimmage. I triple dare any of the people who play fantasy or gamble on the NFL. Not people in the, in the NFL, but the people on the outside. Explain to me the formation rule. How many people need to be on the line of scrimmage? How many eligible receivers need to be on the line of scrimmage? If you don't, and if you're a football player, you're supposed to know that, right? If you're the quarterback, you're supposed to see that. If you're an offensive lineman, look right. Oh shit, there's no one on the line of scrimmage. Get up, get up. And then you can motion, put your foot on the line of scrimmage. Anyway, they didn't penalty. Five yards, replay the down, touchdown off the board. Third and goal, nothing, fourth and goal. This is it, end of the game. Fourth and goal for the commanders. Great protection, throws into the end zone. The Giants player, the defender, defending the play, not only was he draped all over the commander's wide receiver, he was holding his arms down while jumping on his back before the ball got there. It was pass interference. And the referee did not call it. Nobody called it. There's no way for VAR. There's no way to challenge it. There's no way to do anything. Game over, commanders lose. The refs missed it. They said, hey, pass interference, it's a judgment call. To the officials, it didn't rise to what they felt was a restriction. He was holding his arm down. That's basically the bottom line here. It's a judgment call, and they didn't believe it was pass interference. 
Aren't we trying to take judgment calls out of the game? Aren't we trying to make it so that we have robotic strike zones, so that we have lines with cameras on them, so we don't need people doing tennis? We have, by the way, you watch the World Cup, for Christ's sake, you think that offsides is based on, oh, that, that guy sort of looked offsides. No, they can tell you whether or not you had a pinky or if you don't cut your fingernails, you could be offside. The technology is there. Either we use the technology to make the right calls or why use the technology at all? I had 59 hours of fights inside baseball about instant replay. We didn't invent instant replay, John Schultz would tell me, to penalize a guy stealing second whose foot is off the bag for a millisecond and the second baseman keeps the tag on. So for a second, you're being tagged without being on a base. You should be out. Well, no, that's how replay was for. But now we can do it. So let's do it. And we do. So now we've taught players to be different. We've taught defensive players. When you tag a player stealing a base, keep the tag on his body, you never know. We teach the offensive player. If you're gonna go in feet first, you better know how to do a stand-up slide. If you're gonna go in head first, you better know how to grab the bag, but wear the mittens because you're gonna break your damn fingers. We're trying to teach people how to steal when people are more interested in learning how to get exit velocity and launch angle. You can't have judgment calls like that. We have to be able to look at a game and have rules put in place that have proportional responses. If there's a play going on at the end of the game and it's first and 10 from your own 30, and you're doing a Hail Mary into the end zone because the guy can throw it 70 yards and you're down by under a touchdown, it's gonna take a lot for there to be a pass interference. Because if there is a pass interference, it becomes a spot foul and the game can't end on a defensive penalty, that team would all of a sudden have a free play, an extra play with no time on the clock at the one yard line. You've incentivized the offense to try to throw down the field because, hey, we may get the flag. There's a way less likelihood of a completed pass, but a way greater likelihood of a penalty flag, in which case that might as well have been a completed pass. If you're an offensive team in football, that's what you have to do. But there's a difference between first and 30, first and 10 from the 30 doing a Hail Mary and first and goal from the five at the end of a game you understand there's a much higher likelihood of making a touchdown on first and five from the five, first and goal, versus when you're on your own 20 or 30. Can't we make that a pretty different rule? Do you agree that a proportional response in football is when there's a Hail Mary and it's a spot foul, that that means the referee has the entire game in his pocket? But when you've driven the field and you're about to score, don't you feel as though that that's just another penalty? That becomes a three-yard penalty. It's like defensive holding. There's no difference between defensive holding and defensive pass interference when you are already on the five-yard line. Automatic first down, five yards, half the distance at the goal line. Spot foul in the end zone. You don't get a touchdown. You get the ball put on the one. What a bizarre thing that you could have two totally different penalties where defensive holding when you're first and, thir first and 10 from your own 30 and you need a touchdown and they call holding... Uh-oh, five yards. Now you're on your 35, you gotta do it all again. But if he calls pass interference, you're way down there ready to score a touchdown. Proportional. Hanukkah. 
Do you know the story of Hanukkah? When I grew up, I went to uh, Hebrew school and I had, uh, we learned all the Jewish holidays. We learned everything that went on in the history, the persecution of the Jews, all the way back to the crushing of the temples, the burning down of the temples, the rebuilding of the temples, Passover, literally God is passing us over from all the plagues being inflicted on all the bad people. And we just had to put a mark on our door and boom, God will pass over us and we'll be fine. Our firstborn won't be killed. But we got to get out of there. We're being set free. Let my people go. Get me out of Egypt. No time for the bread to rise. That's why we eat matzah during Passover. Had to get out of there. We can't make challah. No time. Same with Hanukkah. Hanukkah's eight nights. I was just taught eight nights when I was a kid. I thought I was cool, surrounded by non-Jews and Jews alike. They had Christmas Eve and Christmas, and they'd look at us like, you get eight nights? Do you get eight presents? Yes, but it's really seven small and one pretty good one. But Christmas, don't you get a bunch of trees, Christmas trees and presents under your tree? How many gifts do you get? None, three, five, big ones, small ones? There's no rhyme or reason. Well, Hanukkah, there's a definite rhyme or reason. It's, it's eight when you're privileged and lucky. The reason Hanukkah's eight days is they had to rebuild the temple that kept getting destroyed by people in ancient times trying to kill all the Jews. And there wasn't electricity, so they had some oil and a lamp using it to, hey, we got to work through the night, but we better hurry, man, because we only have oil for like one night. And then we're out of oil. We're not going to get this built, but let's try. And then, hell yeah, that little bit of oil lasted eight days. So the story goes. So building temple gets built. We got eight days. Let's make a celebration. We're going to celebrate the rebuilding of the temple, and we're going to celebrate for eight whole days. Or as Adam Taylor would say, eight crazy nights. Then, of course, we're going to play a game. The dreidel game. Do you know the dreidel game? It's such a great game. You get a dreidel, there's four sides to a dreidel, right? It, it, it's the Hebrew alphabet. Go check out a dreidel online. There's a shin that looks like a W. There's a hay that looks like a H, sort of. There's a gimel that looks sort of like a G, and there's a nun, which sort of looks like a G. But what you do is you get Hanukkah gelt, because that's what we do, but it's not real money, it's chocolate money. Nothing greater than chocolate money. So eating chocolate money makes you feel this level of sort of guilt and power all at once. Very bizarre. But oh, we can only have one, David. One piece of guilt per night for eight nights. That's what you're allowed. Some people eat the whole damn bag each night. So what we did as little kids when we were celebrating Hanukkah is we would gamble. That was my introduction to gambling. It was not poker. It wasn't horse racing with my father. It was the dreidel game where you are spinning a top and if it lands on a certain letter, you do something. So here's the things that Jewish parents do to make their Jewish children feel as though they can't lose, that they're amazing, that they can accomplish anything they want. Here's what happens. It's so crazy to me. You spin the dreidel. Everybody puts in all of their money. If you get a shin, right, you have to add one to the pot. So the pot gets a little bigger. If you get, just add one, right? You have a collection of stuff, you put one in the middle. 
no big deal. You get a hay, right? So those are the four things. It's hay, which means you get, you count the pot and you take half the pot. So you have a 25% chance of taking half the pot. You have a 25% chance, because there's four sides, of putting one extra piece of money in the pot. If you get a gimel, 25% chance, you get the whole damn pot. Then if you get a nun, nothing happens. So we learned a game where there's no downside. The worst that happens is you don't, you don't get penalized, you just don't win. The worst, worst that happens, 25%, is you just put one of your collection inside the pot. Who cares? But then you have a 50% chance of either getting half the pot or all the pot. Oh my God, that's how I learned to gamble. I didn't learn how to lose. That's why so many of us gamble. We're like, you can't lose, can you? This is good business. I never thought of the dreidel game that way until last night playing the dreidel game. What an absolute terrible lesson to give us as kids. There are no ramifications for doing something wrong. You are the chosen people. I am the chosen person of privilege. I put one in the pot and that's only one quarter of the time. The worst lesson is that if you get the whole pot, all of a sudden the pot materializes and you get to play again. So, hey, you didn't get the whole pot. Don't worry. We'll play again with more Hanukkah gelt. I get it. If I ever lose, I can stand up and do it again. Try harder, win more. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Nothing personal pick of the day. I hope you've been following the picks for the year. We're getting close. We're going to have shows this week and then next Monday as well will be our final pick of the year, Monday the 26th. But I told you the Lakers plus one against the Nuggets that the Lakers had to win that game Friday night. The Lakers crushed the Nuggets at home, so you won that game. I told you that playing in the snow in Buffalo was not going to be a problem for the Dolphins, that the Dolphins getting seven and a half was too many, but the Bills were going to win. The Bills won by three. That's a win. I told you France was going to win the World Cup. Damn it. What a game, though. We went two and one. We are 149 and 123 after a two and one weekend. There's a Monday night game tonight between the Rams and the Packers. Have you seen two teams when the schedule's made? When we do schedules in baseball and we do the, the networks get a chance to choose games and then there's flexing. Hey, we don't like that game. There's a better game. Let's put Mets Cardinals in when it was going to be Yankees Red Sox. No, no, we got to keep Yankees Red Sox. But Mets Cardinals is sort of fun. We'll put that in. Mets Yankees. Anyone want to see a Marlins Guardians game? Nah, we're not going to show that on national television. Please, don't be ridiculous. So Monday night, big package. Welcome to Monday Night Football. The defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams against the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers. Can someone explain to me why that game wasn't flexed? Those guys stink. Both teams. Of course, everyone's going to watch it and everyone's going to say, more people watch that than the World Cup. More people watch that than every World Series game. But comparatively speaking, is this the best game of the weekend? Are you all watching it? Of course you are. That's the joke. That's the jealousy I feel, the anger I have. That no matter what crap is shown to you by the NFL, you're all watching. 
We show you a crap game and you say, ah, oh, boring, long, bad teams. And then the commissioner of baseball gets together with the John Skippers of the world and says, we're not showing the Marlins among 20 other teams. We're going to give the people what they want and they just want the 10 teams. They don't do that in football. Give the people what they want. Just anybody. Line up 22 guys, put it out there Monday night. Aaron Rodgers mailing it in. Pathetic. Rams are getting seven points from the Packers. I promised you I would not lose another Packers play. I promised you that I would not take the Packers again. I'm not. Rams plus seven is the pick of the day. Go on YouTube and see if you notice something different today. Coca had me buy some different equipment because he wanted to see if I could do the show without this tent sort of leaning into the microphone. So I got a new microphone on an arm and I've been sitting back this whole time, which is interesting because my back doesn't hurt, which it always does at the end of a show, because this was my position, go on YouTube right now. My normal position for a show is I'd be leaning in, my shoulders would be scrunched, I'd be putting my face right into the microphone, talking to you like that. Here's the problem though, Coca, as we're evaluating this show today, with me leaning back like this, I almost feel like I'm too relaxed. Like my brain is not properly articulating my thoughts. I'm not putting sentences together correctly. So let's listen back to the show. And if this is a bad show, I think it's because I'm way too comfortable. Anyway, we'll see, we'll figure it out. And we'll be back tomorrow. It's just business. This is nothing personal. 